G'day legends and welcome back to the Montana Project. On this episode, we got to sit down and chat with Carly Green Medina. She is a uh, internationally experienced general manager of marketing and digital marketing. In her corporate career, she has held senior executive positions with major brands like Caesars Entertainment, uh, Star Entertainment Group and City Beach Australia. Carly launched Agency X in September 2017 and worked with some athletes and celebrities for about the last 10 plus years, securing events, speaking engagements, entertainment deals, sponsorships, all that sort of stuff. So she saw firsthand the significant opportunities for high profile individuals to maximize their brands and lengthen their careers and earning potential outside what they were previously doing. So she's highly experienced uh, when it comes to brand marketing and understand what it takes to build and manage a brand is highly skilled at identifying sort of how to optimize partnerships with athletes to drive those sort of business results as well. But yeah, outside that, it was just honestly a great chat. Beyond that business side of it, she's also a mother, um, which we got to touch on for numerous topics and um, also just had a really nice time sitting down having dinner after the episode. And she also brought probably the best brownies I've ever had. So big thanks for about that. And thanks for driving all the way down from Brisbane as well to record. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. big shock to the system <laughs> yeah. it's not easy everyone says like do a podcast it's a lot of work yeah mm. yeah because you equipment. you have your own one that you co-host yeah yeah we haven't done it in a while yeah um we keep saying we'll get to it we'll get to it but it is a lot of work you know and getting yeah. people in and on a schedule and things like that so it hasn't been a priority but we'll do it again yeah because yeah. it was really well received and we've had a heap of people going you guys want to do it again yeah it's fun hey it it's so fun. much fun like it's it's been nothing but for us as well and like i guess it stemmed originally from having an opportunity to be like all right well let's catch up once a week have dinner and like just start chatting to it. and i guess it wasn't originally based to have guests on each week but the conversation just bounces mm. so well having like that extra person yeah and um yeah but it's like it's just nice just have a bit of dinner hang out that sort of thing get some brownies yeah. <laughs> no it's yeah. awesome was yeah. yours like a branding strategy for athletes yeah so we had different athletes come on and it was lee castledine and i mm. yeah and might just bring this a bit closer to you if you can that's that's that the one. was such a benefit to me, like, you mm. know, Lee's said, you know, all of his media background yeah. and things like that. So you could never do a show of just Lee and I. We did record a couple and they were pretty funny. We'd just end up sort of, it was the world according to Carly and Lee. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I don't think everyone wants to hear the world yeah, according yeah. to us. And so then we sort of brought the athletes in and with Lee's background in sport, and then all of his great work that he's done in media and his sort of brand work and influencer work and things mm -hmm. like that, having that bounce off of athletes that were coming through at various stages, mm -hmm. it just worked really well. And then my sort of marketing influence on it and that sort of, you know, overarching strategy stuff. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it was really good. It was funny. And everyone was sort of really relaxed with this because it was athletes that we knew and things yeah. like that. So it yeah. was fun. Being able to draw on that, like, um, commonality between either you and, like, or, or just the backgrounds that you guys have as well is just so important. And it's like, I guess when we first started out, just getting used to talking to people and still it's a it's a skill that we're still learning each time we do it. But I think part of the reason that we do the dinner is just to sort of soften the guest up often and like kind of sit down and just like build that bit of rapport like we were saying earlier. And it's, yeah, but it, it's been so much fun. So, And we really appreciate you coming down all the way from Brizzy. So. Pleasure. St yeah. Sorry to stuff up the dinner part. No, like, no. The celiac no, thing is no. so boring. Like, what? So is that wheat? Yeah, gluten. Right, mm. gluten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. So I was only diagnosed last year, so I've only oh, been okay. annoying for a year. <laughs> so unfortunately, <laughs> those have been longer. Yeah. Was it like a just felt bloated after eating and that sort of thing or is it like an actual allergy to it or no it was more for me um the fatigue and the brain fog right so yeah. you know i felt myself sort of going down but i'd had shingles and i sort of thought oh, i was just recovery from the virus and things mm. like that and 
then I just really felt sick one day and I went to the doctor and the doctor was like, well, why is your blood pressure so low? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just keep going, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And I'm like, oh, I can't run today. What's wrong? You know, sort of thing. And then they did all the blood tests. Yeah. Mm. That's what came you, back. you got your bloods done a little while no, ago. No, I wanted to. Oh, I thought you yeah, had Yeah, I had blood, <laughs> blood tests, so... Yeah, or like even just getting the needle and stuff. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it freaks me out. <laughs> they, so. It's so good though, because as yeah. soon as you... Two weeks, two weeks, I felt like a different person. Just taking it out, like, you know, flying through yeah. contracts again and things like that made such a big difference. What's involved? Because I've always wanted to do it. I just have never taken myself to that point. But I'd love to, I'd love to work out, like, where I can improve on sort of thing. Um. Well, you have all these, like... 30 like i'm really into sort of health and things Mm -hmm. like that and spirituality and all that kind of stuff as well so and it all sort of goes hand in hand um you know there's those 30 day different challenges in that and i think that's sort of long enough redefined okay does this Mm -hmm. really make a big difference whether that's you taking out alcohol or you're taking out dairy or you know gluten and things like that Mm -hmm. but what was the big shock was when I went to the grocery store the first time afterwards, I was just like, well, first I went to the cupboard and I'm like, oh, it's everything. <laughs> and then you get to the shops and you're like, oh, my barbecue sauce, I can't have that anymore. You know, mm, and you're going yeah. through, like I was there for like two hours just doing a regular shop because I'm reading the ingredients of everything. But now like, you know, I try not to be a psycho about it <laughs> and that you know if you go out sometimes and like I don't have all that bloating and yeah. that like sometimes yeah. if it's like... I would imagine if like I had a big burger or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. But like if I get a little bit of in sauces and things like that. Well, yeah. Is timing a big part of it as well? Like obviously if you're doing it in the morning or during the day and you know you're going to be like firing later on, it's just definitely not the right option. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. And like, you know, you do definitely notice a big difference. And, and I can even sort of tell now if I've had something that's probably had a fair bit of gluten in it, mm. like I'll just start to feel like just fatigued. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever seen like a naturopath? No. 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 But then, you know, there's all this research coming out now too, like I'm a believer in you make yourself sick and you can heal Mm. yourself and that as well. We're probably getting way off topic. (laughs) No, that's right. Go for it. (laughs) Tangents are (laughs) up. And, you know, there's all this stuff coming out about like intolerances and where that comes from and Mm -hmm. stress and, you know, if you can resolve all of those things, you can probably resolve some of your intolerances and that as well. I think a little, uh, I think we should go get our bloods done and... Yeah. Get them read out on the, on the pod. <laughs> Be good. I, I, yeah, I honestly... Because what... Do they give you like a bunch of different markers and that sort of thing? Like what's involved on it? Because obviously you're... Able yeah. To... So like, you know, the doctor's going to do a general test. But I know when you go into like naturopaths and things like that, they test a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a number of girlfriends that go and do that. And they come back with a lot of, you know, different things. Yeah. But I think now there's something that I was reading... And God, I don't want to get into medical stuff in case someone comes back and like says, you're not a doctor. I'm not. Um, I probably just read way too much. Um, like iron, like yep. iron, we, we don't eat as much red meat as what we used to and our yep. bodies don't process. It's not as much in the food as what it was 10, 20 years ago because of right. all the you know genetic stuff that, that, that they do in it. So most people are really low on iron. So mm. even my 17-year-old son is low on iron. Yep. And we have to get his bloods done all the time. And, you know, you, I, I get infusions every year for I, even though I work, like I eat a really good diet, mm. it's just not enough. Mm. And so you so, still can't supplement it? You have to get the infusion? Yeah. yeah. And this last time I had to get a double, you know, even though I'd been really dedicated to like, you know, taking supplements and... Can you get a triple and like, like <laughs> get, get ahead of it? <laughs> no, because it only like last a certain period of time and you feel yourself sort of going right. yeah i think i'm a bit low again. well it's yeah it's so important because it carries all your oxygen on your red blood cells is that right i think so yeah yeah <laughs> this is well, there's so many times where we dive into <laughs> stuff and we're like this is not health advice which is us like winging it on there but um on that you're so obviously like having the family and that sort of thing does it get tricky when you're cooking meals or like when you or does your partner cook or what's yeah no not really um because is it a hereditary thing as well that can be... Yeah, for some people it is, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got three boys. Like, I have to feed them carbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. it. Like, I was on broke. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of thing. So, and like, just for their sustenance and, you know, energy and things. So, yeah, I, I'll eat sort of something a little bit different or I'll cook something and I don't eat the pasta of it. Like, I'll eat yeah. the mints and, yeah. you know, I give them the pasta and the mints and things like that. But, yeah, I sort of, I, I sort of pick a lot during the day. Or have one big meal and pick around it. Yeah. Okay. And if I know I'm, 
cooking something for them for the night i'll, I'll sort myself out yeah, yeah yeah it's like i think the timing of eating for myself is so important because like i really noticed last night like my sleep was terrible and I, I had some like chocolates like probably within an hour of going to bed and yeah just even doing that like just shoots it off the rails so yeah i, I gotta keep on check with that as well but yeah. Yeah. And you don't realise too the difference of food. Like I had COVID earlier in the year. Yeah. And one of the people that really helped me the most was actually Damien, Damien Ryder. And like he called me and was like, what's going on? You know, and I told him what's going on. And he's like, breath work. And, like, <laughs> and then he's like, beetroot, do some beetroot. And I'm like, thinking beetroot. And he's yeah. like, yeah, that opens your capillaries. And yeah, you know, right. that was so helpful. Mm. Made yeah. a big difference. It's funny um, how you spoke about like you can make yourself sick or you can make yourself better i remember we're at footy once and someone came off saying they had a cramp and they put a bit of vinegar in the mouth like switched it around and spat it out and i was like to the physio i'm like oh what, like what's that doing they're like i don't think it does anything i think it's just <laughs> like a, a mind game on them and then they spit it out and they think they're good yeah tastes yeah. terrible and you forget about the cramp <laughs> <laughs> I think that's most of a lot of the cramp fix stuff that they give for like marathons and all that sort of stuff has a vinegary kind of mm. um, whether it's vinegar in it or like just a taste to it as well. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've Carly, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Welcome to the Modern Time Project. Um, do you want to just tell a bit about yourself? How did you get to where you are? What do you do? Yeah. So it's a lot it's a big it's a question lot. but yeah. <laughs> and I'm old so it's been a bit of a um, journey. Yeah. Um so I, I did I guess at the beginning of my career I um I moved to Vegas and I worked in casinos over there for 8 years. Mm-hmm. Um and so I started in a place called Laughlin which is 90 miles south of Vegas and okay. it's like um Vegas for old people on the Colorado River. <laughs> uh, but 1500 room hotels like you know big casinos much yeah. bigger than here. And then moved up to Vegas and did the rest of my career up there. My last role there, I was the director of national casino marketing. Oh, wow. Um, for the seven Harrods properties, Caesars properties at the time. And my job was to bring in VIPs um, and filter them out across the city. So I had exposure over there to like athletes and celebrities. And I saw just how good they were at managing their brands. And, you know, down to Elton John wouldn't be on a piece of marketing collateral beside anywhere that served red meat. Oh, wow. You know, that's yeah, okay. how dedicated they were to their brands. Yeah. And then, you know, worked with athletes over there and that, that, you know, good, bad, ugly, or, you know, they'd come in with 14 mates, you know, mm. for holiday weekends and things like that. And their uncle was their manager. And, you know, three years later, they were broke once like, they retired. And But then I saw the really great side of it too, where they had excellent managers, great to work with and, you know, those athletes went on to have, you know, careers after they finished playing and things like that. So I had that exposure over there, but I was very much a casino person. Yeah. And then moved back here. Um, and I was, my last role was the general manager of marketing for Star Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. Um, we had four properties at the time. So I did five years for them. Um, thought I was probably a casino lifer because it is a fun business. Um, and particularly on the marketing side, there's lots of perks, you know. Yeah. Um, but and it's good work, good budgets, and yeah. things like that. And you get to do a lot of really good marketing. Yeah. Um, but Australia was really different to the states. Sort of in, you know, it's a couple of years behind what we were doing in the states and things like that. And then I sort of thought maybe I'm not a lifer, so I left. I did a couple of other things, and then I started two businesses. Mm-hmm. And one was a um, marketing agency and the other was sort of a side project, which was Agency X. And I'd worked with a couple of athletes through the casino and things like that. And I had a couple that would show me their commercial contracts and things like that. And I'd just give them advice. But I'd gotten really frustrated, particularly when I was in the casino, when we were doing sort of deals with athletes or there was athletes I knew I could call to come in for events and things like that when they really should have been like charging for it mm-hmm. um, and then in one of my roles uh, for a business I was trying to do a deal with an athlete and it just fell over because of the manager and which was really unfortunate and it shouldn't have and so I was a bit frustrated sort of thing and and because I'd just seen the learnings from America of like and and they were further ahead over there too on you know bigger salaries for athletes 
um, and they were just making more money on the brand side. Mm. And like this was quite a oh, this was like fourteen years ago, you know, about then, so a while yep. ago. So they were a lot more advanced. So Agency X was sort of this side project, and um, marketing agency was doing well. And I was meeting with my business coach, and he's like you talk about the marketing agency and you're like, and he goes, you talk about agency X and you're like, yeah, you know, kind of thing. and he was like, you just got to cut the bullet, you know, sort of thing and go with what your passion is and do that. And we would just started out doing uh, marketing services and a bit of brand work and things like that. And then it really quickly started to evolve in that I realized there was an opportunity because when I was talking to the athletes, they just, had no idea what branding was Mm -hmm. or what their commercial opportunity was or the different platforms that they could sell themselves on and you know for how much and that they were products and you know setting themselves up post-career and things kind of like what they could do outside of their sport or yeah given profession sort of thing yeah yeah and so the commercial athlete sort of evolved that program and then you know it got picked up by the PFA and I went and did a number of A-League clubs and then I did the W-League, a few of those, and then in cricket and I did the women's golf. And it was just so well received. Mm. And while that was sort of happening, um, I had one athlete um, who's very spread to all, Brendan Santa Lab, um, Santa, and he was sort of the first athlete that we signed as Agency X Talent. And yeah. he was sort of the one going, yeah, I want you to manage me, you know, sort of thing. And I was, you know, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I do that, you know, yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. then it just sort of evolved. And is here it, we are. Is there any process, like, if someone's come and requested that of you, like, do you have to sign on or, or is it like a you got to work through that process because you obviously already had Agency X, but was it, was it able to pick up athletes at that stage or you had to, like, adapt it to make it work? Um, we sort of then landed a bit in football and we weren't doing the player contracts. We were just doing the commercials. And that sort of came about by the athletes talking to each other and then meeting. And I've never um, really chased an athlete. Mm. Um, they've mostly come to us. There's been athletes I've turned down um, because I just don't think they're a fit for what we do. And I don't want to be... Um, an agency that too that takes on people that we can't make money for some some athletes are really hard and they're going to take time and 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 some athletes they're not going to make money like uh, enough that they can warrant sort of having a manager in there because you can put a lot of time into someone particularly if you've got just a commission model and Mm. unless you're getting a decent deal well you're not working for much yeah so and and that's really hard and sometimes too the athletes need to understand that they've got to do some work as well it's not just handling yeah. it to the manager going hey go make me some money yeah. you know sort of thing like you you've got your one percenters your one percenters that can do that mm. but others you know they've got to understand what their brand is they've got to understand how they're going to market it they you know they've got to put themselves out there and be willing to put themselves out there and that's really hard in australia and you know you got a team of 40 lads you know whatever code it is it doesn't matter you know they're going to rag on each other mm. when someone puts something up, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was a team that I worked with and you guys don't know that, you know, I'm following them for a couple of weeks before I go into the room with them. So yeah. I, I'm seeing what they're doing on their socials and things like that. And I'm just watching and, you know, I'll see someone put something up and they're all over it, you know, having mm. cracks. And that's yeah. Aussie culture, you know, sort of thing. But what it does is it makes the guys not want to put themselves yeah. out there because they don't want to be that show pony. They don't want to be that wanker, you know, sort of mm. thing. But one of the things I taught, teach them in the commercial athlete is, you know, if I came and this backfired terribly in one session because I said to one of the players, if I came to you and said, would you give me $5,000, would you do it? And he's like, yeah, I'd give you $5,000. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, would you give me $50,000? <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, I wouldn't give you fifty. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what you're doing to each other when you rag on each other you're taking money out of each other's pockets yeah. and you're never giving it back and you've got mm. this window of opportunities that's this big so if you don't do it now you're just walking away from money and you know then you see light bulbs go off and then you see you know next week when someone puts something <laughs> up they're all like yeah mate Ooh, yeah, it's, the good. Cu- it's the culture like men need to adopt the culture that women have on social media mm. posts i reckon like girls are so supportive of their friends and then guys just like 
Exactly, you hit it on the head. That's like that Gary V guy. He's yeah. obviously blown up on social media, but he always speaks about just taking a couple of minutes out of your day and like replying to a couple of comments and making people feel like they're kind of a part of your life a bit. Yeah. Is that pretty similar to like... Oh, absolutely. You know, respond to different things. And I never say to an athlete, don't be authentic. Like Mm. you you 100% have to be authentic. Like I, you know, you can't be what you're not because you'll always be found out. Mm. And, you know, I know athletes that their teammates don't like them, but the public loves them. Right, mm. and it's because of the way that they put themselves out there. They put themselves out for opportunities and things like that. And you know, I sit there and say to the athletes, "Going, well, I don't want to be like him." And I'm like, "Well, you don't have to be like him as a person, but do you want what he has? Mm. Do you want the house? Do you mm. want the opportunities? You know, well, how do you do it authentically for yourself?" Yeah, I was um very fortunate to come down and see you speak um, down near the airport. I can't remember what the building was called. Bridges. Bridges. Yeah, <laughs> um, but. During that, you touched on the fact that one of your, uh, I guess, strongest skills is being able to find what's a niche or what's important or what's like specific to that athlete. Now, do you want to talk about that process and then just maybe like what is involved in, I guess, the process for that athlete to get sponsorship or that sort of thing as well? Because I remember you touched on like there is that 1% that are just that good that they don't need to worry about it. Mm. But then everything to follow obviously has to play a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in that sort of wise agency X, like the X factor, mm-hmm. what's, your, mm-hmm. what's your X? Um, and, I, and, and I do, I've got it sort of to the point now, I think within sort of about 20 minutes, I can find something that's unique because most athletes will walk in the door and you'll say, okay, who are you looking for as sponsors? And they'll be like, oh, I want a supplement brand. I want shoes. <laughs> I want apparel. You know, it's, it's all the standards. And, you know, you've got 5,000 athletes trying to get with Nike, you know, mm. what makes you special for Nike? And, you know, Nike's only going to do this many people out of, you know, the 5,000 people that are coming through. So, yes, some athletes will pick up those things, some will get paid for it, some will only get product for it, um, some might get a combination of both. And But where the opportunity, sort of I say to athletes, is what sits outside of that? And those familiar things that typical athletes go for, what's really special for you? And I think in that day I gave a couple of stories. So one was a cricketer and, you know, in working through with him, like what's unique about him? And he just showed a picture of his lawn and it was phenomenal. And <laughs> <laughs> it was like, uh, that, do you do that? And he's like, yeah. Like, you know, and he's like all about like how the crisscross of the grass goes and all of this stuff. And I was like, so that's your thing. And he's just like, yeah. And, you know, that gives him, you know, fertilizer companies and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And that makes him unique. Um, with I think I shared this story uh, one of the activities that I do with the athletes is I'll pick two of them and they're they to leave the room and it's that um, Jeff Bezos thing of like your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room and then I'll you know split the room up and I'll have you know whoever it is write down words to describe the athlete that's mm-hmm. left the room and then I have the athlete come back out and read the words and it's really really interesting each time I take away like a new learning be like oh wow look at that you know and with one group that I did it with the you know it's all a typical thing you know good footballer good looking fella you know um you know some things are inappropriate (laughs) um you know but on these two it was it was funny because I'd done my research on them and I'd looked them up and they were both business owners but not one one of their teammates had said business owner, entrepreneur, mm. founder, mm. you know, sort of thing. And so I and I asked the guys, I'm like, have they missed anything? Because they're your teammates, they're with you, like, you know, most most of you, pretty much every day yeah. for mm. hours, and you travel together, so you got a lot of high touch time. And they're like, no, no, that's pretty much it. And I said to them, well, no one's called you a business owner. And then they were sort of light bulb. And I'm like, so if you're the people you spend the most amount of time with don't identify you as being a business owner how will anyone else yeah. mm. you know sort of thing so how do you highlight that how do you push that out there because that's not about bringing brands into them that's about them selling their products do you ever start with the brand and find the athlete or is that kind of a bit of a broad way to find someone because obviously if it's like a clothing 
one's kind of like there's a lot of people that are just going to take the clothing yeah what happens and it's happening a lot more since covid is that um marketing or outsourcing to pr agencies and so i'll have pr agencies come to me and say hey this is the brief this is the brand and of course we'll always look at our athletes and try to fill those opportunities there first but other times i'll sort of go find okay we don't have someone that fits what you're looking for but and then i'll go find an athlete are there any challenges you mentioned before obviously like australian culture and trying to get especially blokes to support them uh, their friends that sort of thing as well is there anything else when you're developing agency x that's come like come about that you've found it's just been really tricky or you would have done differently um oh god there's been so many things (laughs) (laughs) how long you want to go for um yeah look we don't have that sort of american um uh, rah-rah sort of thing where you know we have this sort of understanding of diverse multi-platform marketing and you know opportunity and we probably don't realize the impact a lot that athletes can have on selling product like if you look at research numbers out of the us of like if you know there's a reason why the super bowl ads have lots of athletes in them or celebrities because Mm. they're the ones that sell the products Mm. you put a model in there's no association and particularly now you know 20 years ago fans followed clubs you know they'd be diehard manly fans or they'd Mm. be diehard broncos now yep they've got their club that they're still diehard for but they've also got athletes that they're diehard for Mm. and if that athlete moves you know there's a reason why lebron was paid so much to go to lakers and that was bring his fan base you know part of it and to bring the sponsors that come with him so you know people move around so the ability I, i don't think we necessarily understand in australia the impact that athletes could have on selling products mm. and and celebrities um but america has that sort of rah-rah you do know you hero it, culture do you think it comes down to like a sheer difference in population as well because like to a certain degree like the the 26 odd million that we have in australia and then you break it down to how many of those people are actually fans of sport and then specific to those sports and stuff as well because like they're over there, yeah. they get like a hundred thousand to like a college footy, like it's NFL ridiculous. game and stuff as well. So, is that kind of something that's just going to naturally set you, like springboard you, to get better sponsorships and that sort of thing as well? Or uh, I think it's a ratio, right? Like you know, I I think it's a, it's probably similar percentages. I think mm. Australians are probably more inclined to um, follow sport in Australia than Americans. Right. Mm. Uh, so I think we're more invested and that's something I said today, you know, look how hard we work to keep sport going through COVID. Mm. You know, there's a reason <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, you know, whether we like it or not, there's affiliated, um, industries that sit outside of sport, like gambling and, you know, stadiums and hospitality and things like that. Like the influence a stadium has on the, um, businesses that sit around it and things like that like there's a forward effect of sport yeah yeah definitely so you know there's a lot in the media at the moment with brands you know pulling out of sport and things like that but that's an isolated incident and every year you know the gms of commercial of clubs and that will talk about you know they'll have some brands in and some brands out that that happens you know but um yeah did i answer that is it easy for brands to pull out of deals like obviously you have athletes might screw up here and there is it is it quite easy for them to just be like i'm out or are they kind of pretty inclined to be like we'll stick around through it all um really depends on what it is in the mm. appetite of risk of the brand and sort of you know if you're a brand going into sponsor whether it be an athlete or a club you know, you're doing your risk profiles mm, first yeah. and you're sort of, you know, having a good idea of, okay, what's the potential risk here? Some think you don't know what's potentially going to happen, you know, but you you can pretty much, I think, get to about 90% of potential risks um, that, that you could deal with. But, you know, there's all clauses in contracts and things mm. like that. So, yeah, morality clauses and things, brands right. can step out and things yeah. like that. But... To me, it's about what's your strategy as a brand. So one of my favorite um, partnerships is Dusty Martin and Bonds. I just reckon that's gold, Mm. you know, so great on Bonds part. Mm. 
because most people would probably sit there and say, oh, high risk, where mm. I actually look at that and say, that's low risk because we know who Dusty is, mm. you know, kind of thing. He's very true to what his brand is. And look, if he went and did something wrong, we'd probably all forgive him because he's Dusty <laughs> Martin and yeah. it'd probably increase the sales of bonds. So like, you know, I think that's an awesome partnership. I was talking to someone the other day about the dynamic and this is probably something uh, we touch on is like just the the wage gap between men's and women's and like I can't remember who it was but just the I think it was to do with like the trend of people doing shoeys and stuff after they've done something it's like I guess it'd be very strange to see like a female cricketer or, or a swimmer or some female athlete to do that afterwards but then it like brings up it'd almost tarnish their reputation I think in, in a certain way but then like it brings up the men's and like it was just something the person I was talking to was bringing up in the difference and then we got on to the chat of like wages and that is that something that's quite important to you or oh definitely and look I know girls that would do shoe <laughs> yeah. and that if I was their manager I'd be like you should do a shoe <laughs> um, because that'd be like you know front back page of the yeah, paper yeah yeah mm. um because do you think like the uh, the argument I guess is always there of like ticket sales and that sort of thing but what's your take on it in that you're always trying to get the best result for your athlete but like where do you go with a with a um argument like that yeah like i am so in awe of every female athlete because the majority of them do it for the love mm-hmm. they're, they're you know up until recent times they haven't been doing it for the money and you know these women they work they you know, try to be full-time athletes in the training schedules and playing and they make such massive commitments around sort of, you know, family when they have children. Like there, there, there are so many considerations for a female athlete and, you know, the majority do it just because they love their sport. And so the passion that comes out of that is quite phenomenal mm. and the strength and resilience of these women is amazing. So I took along one athlete to a sportsman's lunch um and at the end of it and she she just won the crowd rugby league player and at the end of it so many of the guys came up to me going i would listen to her over any of these fellas mm-hmm. anytime and there were some big name boys there yeah, yeah. you know sort of thing and because she told told a story it wasn't that she was 15 come out of an academy went into a club started making a couple hundred grand a year you know she was making buckley's mm. and playing for australia Mm. you know and what she was complaining about boys would have stopped you know kind of thing like uh well Karina Brown spoke about it recently she she broke her jaw in a game a club game right before the the first season of NRLW oh wow like in a full split here (laughs) yeah right I'm sorry boys but they would be out for like (laughs) four months you know kind of thing she was out for eight weeks or six weeks or something ridiculous Mm. you know so they they come back from injury a lot quicker and because they want to be there yeah oh the resilience is just amazing like i don't even know the story told about shana and Mm. like if you wanted to touch on that because that's it was something that i really wanted to like um dive into as well because with agency x i know you're looking out for the financial side but it seems like you really develop a strong relationship with these athletes and like for anyone that's not familiar with the story do you want to give a rundown and that sort of thing yeah um, so this is always cleared with my athletes on what I can talk about public and that um yeah look Shane is very special um I often say to people she's yeah yeah every athlete professional athlete is a one percenter and but you have some that are one percent of the one percenters and uh, and I think Shane is that so Shana Jack um Australian swimmer that um was done on a doping charge right before the world championships now over three years ago um and she copped a four-year ban straight away she appealed it and we won in the first court case well win theoretically um where they gave her two years and in that court case the judge um alan sullivan you know really well respected australian judge he described her as being the most credible witness he'd seen in 30 years because Shana has never denied that um, the drug wasn't in her system, but she's always denied that it wasn't intentionally there. And what we found out in that court case, because we weren't able to find out prior, was that it was pharmacologically irrelevant, the amount that was found. So we're talking nothing. Mm. And um, so then it they had 21 days to appeal it they appealed it on the final day 
and went into a second court case that then had three arbitrators. A lot of money um, spent on this court case by Shana too. And, but she was resilient from the beginning in that she was going to fight it and she wasn't going to walk away because she knew she had done nothing wrong. And I met Shana at a coffee shop um, afterwards before the, first, before the first court case. And within 10 minutes, I was in tears and just saying, I'll do whatever you want. Um, mm. Because I just knew that she was innocent yeah. and that she was caught in a system that was much bigger than what she was. And um, But now I don't think the system was bigger than her. I th- <laughs> she was definitely bigger than the, si- the system. Um, yeah, look, when you're going through something like that with an athlete, and we had a very small team that went through that, and it was almost two years. Um, lots of talks with the legal team, and you know, we, we were really lucky that we had a phenomenal legal team. Um, and so we all became very tight during that time, and you see the cycle that somebody goes through when they're going through something like this. And you know, th- th- there were points that were just devastating, heartbreaking to watch and to be a part of. So you do forget about all the financials, you forget the money and that this is a person that needs mm. help and needs mm. support and that's what you're there for and you know we we didn't know if Shana was going to swim again and you know I, I, I honestly wouldn't have blamed her if she didn't you know I don't, I don't know if I could have um, there's probably a lot in there I don't know if I could have done what she did so someone you know when it from 21 now to 23 she's a remarkable woman mm. you know and I will always be in awe of her to be taking that on at that age as well is just amazing like it's it's yeah and i guess i don't know whether you'd think that the resilience is built up from just years of training to get to that point but then to have it taken away and in such an unfair manner as well really Mm. you also wonder like with athletes and especially like the essendon saga and all that they've got people telling them kind of what they're putting in their body and they're kind of putting their trust in a lot of people so it's kind of like where do you kind of draw the line on oh we're going to give you this many years away because someone else has given you something to take yeah it's it's a really interesting um like you know i, I think e- everyone involved in sports would say you know we're all against doping mm. um but i think it's very clear when an when an athlete dopes mm. and you know with the technology now that they've got and things like that you know you can prove that in most cases of course there's always going to be new things in that that come out but yeah we have to be really careful and supportive of our athletes in just how far we're going to take this because you know that they could go to a a coffee shop and get a protein ball and Mm. there's something in that protein ball that's out of the supplements and they're banned yeah um you know there's there's cases all around the world of athletes who have been caught in this and just haven't had the money to fight it and you know they've walked away from their sports and that's that's a travesty. Do you think like the the push to further, I guess, people's ability and that sort of thing is part of the reason as to why it pops up more as well? Like the reason I ask is, I was talking to someone the other day who's actually a horse trainer, and he was saying, I think he was telling me that they people have been caught putting bicarb soda into horses before a race because it stops fatigue for that short time, but then can burn off in that period and not like mm. relating it to the athletes in any way, but more so just like what lengths people are willing to go to for success or for winning. And have you seen that a lot through your industry and just people like things that does, does anything surprise you when it, when it does pop up like the, the um, blood doping or like even um, the tour de France stuff, where it was like 16 places till they yeah. had a second place <laughs> yeah. and that sort of thing. Like, is it just kind of a becomes um, more of a human nature thing? Oh, nothing really surprises me anymore, but that's probably not from sport. That's probably living in Vegas for eight years. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it takes a fair bit for me to go, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that was interesting. Um, oh, look, you're always going to have, you know, some athletes that make poor decisions and that's sport. It's you know it's like any business you know someone works in a bank and they take money you know kind Mm. of thing they steal and things like that i I think there's always a negative influence in every industry in in sports doping you know but 
there's there's systems in place and that for it and you know I, I i'm definitely not a doping expert at all like well what i would say is i'm probably now um just very good at supporting athletes that have been through this right um yeah. and there's systems there for reasons and but my angle is if if that is the situation and but we do have innocent athletes who have been caught up unintentionally what's our process to support those athletes because that's what's missing in the system mm. is that there's n- no one comes to the athlete and says all right now this is what you've got to do they're just sort of left floundering it, unless in some of the codes they've got systems and processes and places and things like that but like in the event of swimming there wasn't and and there's other sports in that where there's just no support for the athlete when that happens yeah yeah mm. is it kind of tricky as well when you've got those those ties with i guess when you've developed the brands for those people and something like that does occur or is it more like you're saying you're pretty um pretty strict when you're actually taking on an athlete like you're trying Mm. to minimize that as much as possible um oh look you know i I say too i don't really have any um but you know if you're the classic bad boy and things like that that's great as well you know as long as it's managed and there's a strategy to it Mm. um like going back in the day and he's probably don't even remember him but pat mcenroe you know before curios and all of that like he was the bad man of tennis right yeah Yeah. but he was a legend and he had a strategy for it he knew exactly what he was doing you know and again you knew what you got Mm. and well he's still a commentator on tv 20 years later (laughs) you know what i mean so he created a brand and a career for himself so you don't have to be this and and this is what irritates me sometimes when i watch sport and I watch a lot, um, is when we make the athletes be vanilla. So when they're doing the post-game interview and it's just like they could be talking to anyone, yeah, we had a great game. All credit to the boys. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, all credit to the boys. You know, it's like... It's like a report card. Yeah. You know how the teachers get to pick their lines on the report cards? Yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Pick a line, you know, and that's not what fans want to see. They want to see honey badges. Yeah. <laughs> 100% they want to see that. And, yeah. you know, that gets people to a game. You know, that makes people watch the TV. Or even Do you think that's how fans have changed, though? Like, back in the day, it was kind of, like, as you said, the team, so they kind of wanted to be credit to the boys, really. And now people are starting to follow individual players, so now they actually want to see just their personality, I guess. Oh, I think we had more personality back in the day. Yeah? Like, Gordon Tallis. Yeah, <laughs> Warney. And, like, there's yeah. a reason why, yeah. you know, we're so, still so infatuated with Warney. Do you think mm. social media has played, or what part has it played? Because everyone has a phone now these days, and it's like, I can only imagine what an athlete would be like. like I saw Dusty down at Burley the other week, and, like, yeah, people, like, getting the phones out behind him while he's walking, that sort of thing. It's like, you're constantly got to be on edge and just on your best behavior sort of thing like uh, well, got bailey smith like he's what 21 or saying and he's probably the biggest social media star in the afl now and he's got yeah. all the big deals with like cotton on monster and really yeah, yeah. it's what you got and i think this is for anybody you know whether you, more so for an athlete but if you're a professional or whatever your social media is your shop front mm. and you you it's there to make people enter and find out more about you, you know. So if you've just got posts up there, you know, you playing footy kind of thing, that's great for the footy fan. But why else do I want to find out about you? And if I'm a brand, why else do I want to find out about you? If you're not Bailey, you know, if you're not in the top 10% of AFL, well, you've got to give me some other interest to come in here yeah. and associate with you. And the same as a fan, you mm. know, kind of thing. So do you cook? Do you, you know... We've got a cute dog, like wh- whatever it is, you know, sort of thing. And like, even if you look at Shana, right, it's, re- it's really clear there with Shana. And people always sort of say, well, you know, was it hard to get a sponsorship during? And, you know, we, we were so grateful and, you know, Shana's super grateful. Brands like Royal Cannon came on board. And, you know, that was because you can clearly look at Shana and be like, she loves her dogs. Yeah. Like, that, you know, they are her children. So that was just such a natural fit there. And great for both. So um, that's something that she showed that, again, you know, not your typical brand came in and endorsed on. So I think 
with the social media part of it, it depends what the athlete's putting out there and how much they're really showing of themselves. So I, I know athletes that post a lot. And then if I look at their numbers, though, and I look at the engagement, I know by the content, I can know who's got stronger engagement and who doesn't. Yeah. So how does a social media account work? Is it if they like do they have to be approved to upload something or is it kind of just you give them a bit of free range and just <laughs> the data how many how many oh, passwords do you yeah, have God. like i never want to manage all of our um athletes accounts so i couldn't imagine what some of them get um i don't want to know i see i see enough where i'll be like okay hey, look at this and i'll be like oh my god um and then i see the bad stuff as well it's like look what i got and you're like oh that's you know who does that um no, I don't. Um, I absolutely, if the athlete wants it, and, and we will prepare if there's different things that are happening, like moving teams or there's something significant in media, like, you know, if there's a point of something, um, I'll definitely help them sort of, you know, what are, what are we going to post? What are you going to put up? Um, what is the content of that? There are things that sometimes, you know, the athlete knows yeah. i probably shouldn't post this can can you have a look at it <laughs> yeah good idea um but no i i wouldn't ever want to do that i know mm-hmm. some managers do that um i like to think that i'm not just here as your manager i'm here as probably a bit of a life coach and yeah. you know that as well or around like you know you can manage this and you can do this yourselves like i, I always make sure the athletes have read every contract and that they understand it all Mm. Um, you know, you, you want to educate them along the way. And if people know the why, they'll do it. Mm. Whereas if you just say, and th- this is what it annoys me sometimes too about clubs and that, they'll just say to athletes, oh, don't post anything like that. Mm. And then they go out and post it because no one's told them why. Mm. Like, this is why you don't post this. Like, I'll give another scenario um, in doing the commercial athlete with the team. And like I said, I follow them for a couple of weeks. And so I'd screenshotted some stuff. And before this, um, before this athlete walked into the room, I said to him, oh, hey, mate, I'm going to put up a couple of your social media posts. Are you good with that? He's like, yeah, yeah, all good. Sat down. We were halfway through the thing and I put up the first picture and it's a great picture of him um, promoting a brand, clothing apparel, good-looking guy, looked like a model, great picture. And everyone's like, oh, you know, great <laughs> picture. Second picture I put up was a story um, with him and some mates and there's a little bit of swearing in like the post that was put up and I was like, yeah, you're trying to be a bit gangster, a bit bad. Um, it's all, you know, yeah, it's all right kind of thing. And then I put up the third picture and it was a um, picture of his partner in a bathtub with not a lot of clothes on and um, quite provocative. And everyone just went, oh my God, you know, and some boys took photos. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but then I spoke through like, why you wouldn't do that yeah. and like you know the impact that if the ceo of your major sponsor's got a daughter that's the same age and she sees that and he takes offense to it or mm. you know just what you've got 14 year old boys following you and things like that the impact of something like that um and it, it, it's just they just don't think about it you know and that's girls and boys you know sometimes we we're out we've had a couple of beers i've, I've done it myself i've snapped something thought oh god i shouldn't, I shouldn't <laughs> have put that up afterwards you know sort of thing but i don't have you know multi-million dollar deals behind yeah. me you know i don't have mm. you know so just having that level of awareness of like i'm not just impacting me i could be impacting my team i could be impacting my club um and i think once they understand that they're, they're like there's a lot less of some of this stuff that gets yeah. posted mm. yeah what um what i guess suggestions would you have to an athlete that's looking to gain a sponsorship or just work on their brand like where would you start or where would you if they didn't have your help yeah <laughs> um look there's athletes that i've definitely said go away and work on it yourself and then come back and if you get it to this point you know i i would work with you because i want to see them do the work themselves and they can and it's the first thing is confidence like just knowing that you can put yourself out there and some of that's a mindset shift as well and looking at yourself as a product so you know taking away that your social media is for your mates and your family and being like no my social media is to build fans and to build sponsorships and attract people into wanting to work with me and you know the benefits aren't just those things too 
he can lengthen careers. Like, mm. how many athletes do you know still playing? And it's because they've got great brands. They still put bums in seats. People still want to see him and things like that. Where you know you could bring in a young gun that's probably going to be better, but that person's got a brand. So, yeah. you know, the confidence to put yourself out there. Um, think outside the box and find what is unique to you and start approaching those brands and know that you're going to get a hundred no's to get one and you know that that can be shattering you know when you sort of done all the work and you go and you think like yeah I'm really aligned to this brand I'm like really into lasagna and so like <laughs> La Familia's for me you know sort of thing <laughs> and and they say no and you know that's that's devastating but that's what it is it's hard it's hard work and they've got to take sort of some of those rejections to sort of understand too. And, and then I think too that they appreciate their managers more that, you know, the managers aren't just rocking on a door and getting mm. deals done and walking out. Like they're pounding pavements and that as well to get stuff done. Um, it's and, and understand the platforms as well. So understand what's happening with the algorithms at different times and how, how you can influence that. So, you know, at the moment, reels on instagram you know which i don't understand because it makes the feeds look terrible yeah. um yeah, <laughs> so that pretty shop front is like gone with reels yeah. but that's what's in engagement driving you know so look make sure that your account set up as a business account so you can see your analytics on there pay attention to those analytics post at the right times you know test out your content i always say um, to athletes have three pillars and your first pillar is going to be your sport and your second pillar is going to be sort of, you know, something else that you're really passionate about. And your third thing's that thing is that makes you really unique. Um, that And if you just have those three things, that will increase your engagement. Because if you're all over the shop, you know, posting, cooking, dancing, football, um, you know, dogs, it's... You know, you know, some of your friends you look at and go, oh my God, you're all over the shop. Do you know what I mean? But it, for an athlete looking at that, okay, I'm following you because you're a really great football player. I'm following you because you love dogs. Um, and I love dogs, so that's good. And then your third thing is, you know, oh, your family, you've got a, you're clearly a really nice family person. So, you know, one of the people, that, if you look at um, Jack Hinger, the place with the Raw, like, you know, he's probably got four pillars now. He's got football, he's got family. Uh, he's got one nineties business, and the other thing that he has is like he's an RSPCA ambassador. They've fostered right. a heap of dogs, and so you know opportunities come from that because it's really clear who Jack is. Mm. And if I'm a brand, I'm looking at it going, okay, that's what I'm buying into. Yeah, because mm. you've you've mentioned before that it's actually it's got to be a win-win. Like people aren't going to invest in you without getting something back. And, and that's it too. And yeah, that's a really good point too. When 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 you expect someone to give you money, uh, come back to that, if I just walked up to you and said, will you give me $5,000? You're probably going to say no. Yeah. Um, but if I say to you, look, if, if you give me $5,000, I'm going to do this and that's going to provide a return of revenue to you or it's going to build your brand awareness or you know different things like that, I'm more inclined and open to have the conversation. But a lot of athletes... And, and I've seen this in my roles. I'd get letters of like, you know, can you sponsor me? <laughs> and, but it's just because you're an athlete. Yeah, mm. okay, big deal. You know, there's thousands of athletes. And I think the story with Ned that's just done the run across Australia, mm. I, th I think that's just a classic story of someone who's put himself out there. He's developed amazing content mm. and, you know, he's over 1.5 million in money. Now, he's obviously pretty special to have done that and like mm. gotten his body through that and things like that. But, you know, it was really clear with Ned when you looked at him, because I started looking at him when he had about 50,000 followers mm. and, you know, he just started out and they were, I think at a hundred thousand dollars in revenue, but you just knew he was going to get there. He produced great content mm. and you bought into him because he was open, honest, vulnerable. He had the really good hooks in there where he'd tell you every day what song he was listening yeah. to and what yeah. his motto was. And you sort of got engaged in that, right? And like, I'd laugh at some of the songs that like he, I'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah I, I'd run to that. The climb, well. Miley Cyrus. Yeah, 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 you know. And, you yeah, sort of, yeah. and so you, you became really endeared to him yeah. and you wanted him to win. And so, and you know that was him putting himself out there and you don't have to do it to that extreme but that that's the example of you know put yourself out there and people will engage do you think mm. for someone like him getting to that point because i think the last time i checked he was on i don't know 
120, 150,000 followers now that have jumped up to like, does that sort of set someone up to a degree for the remainder of what they want to, or like not for the rest of their life, but just depending on what they want to chase after that? Like, cause that's just a massive platform yeah. from there. No, it doesn't. And you, you see this sometimes with athletes, they'll get a really big rise and or it's the counter that sometimes they sit there and think, oh, I'm not going to put myself out there till I make the Australian team because then I'm great. When they should have started five, ten years beforehand and building that engagement. And particularly for brands, like brands, if you want a long-term engagement with a brand, they want to know where you're going. Mm. And they want to know it's Golden Paris, you know, sort of thing. They don't, oh, well, I think I might you know, go to the Olympics, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to give money to that, are you? But if you've got someone that's in front of me going, I'm doing gold in Paris and then I'm going to come back out and I'm going to back it back up in, you know, LA. Mm. And you're just like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Do, do, you, do, you, well, do you have people who are like maybe too arrogant and it's kind of like need to maybe bring them back a tiny bit? Oh. Like they just come in thinking like, I'm going to get any deal that I kind of want. Yeah. I actually quite like a bit of arrogance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like, not dickhead arrogance, but like a bit of arrogance in that, like, I'm going to do this. Do you like seeing mm. a plan of how they're yeah. going to get there? Like, yeah. rather than just being like, oh, I want to do this and I yeah. want to do that. Oh, it's uh, like, it's yeah. like, this is how I'm going to get there. Yeah. Mm. It, it's got to be believable. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, anyone sort of saying that, you, you backtrack with them and you're like, all right, so how's that going to happen? What's next? What's next? What's next? And, you know, they'll give you the plan. Mm-hmm. And you've got some athletes that, you know, they can't remember the game on the weekend. And then you've got some athletes that they remember 2005, lap 49 <laughs> in Japan, you know, yeah. sort of thing. And the bike was doing this, you know. So the athletes are all really different. And I think I think sometimes arrogance is given a bad name. And, and I think it's mistaken sometimes for confidence. And, and you know it makes people hard to come in and say this is what i want to do you know kind of and there there are younger athletes that i work with in that and i'll be like what do you want to do what do you want to do you know sort of thing and i'll push and i'll push Mm. and they'll be like oh i just want to get through the season or i just want to do this and you're like no like what's the goals Mm. where are we going what's happening and then they'll be like well i want to play for australia next year they're playing for australia you know sort of thing so I think, but they're afraid to say that. And, and there's, you know, multiple reasons why that is. Mm. Do you think, like, the difference is just if the fact you can back it up? Because, like, if you make a statement, and as bold as it may be, if you can do it, you're just confident in your own ability, really. Like, I, I was trying to work out then the actual difference with arrogance, and it's like, I don't know, I guess a lot of people would be fearful of the inability from themselves when they hear someone make a like a massive statement but then they go and do it like ned running across australia and he despite how broken he seemed at times he seemed like i never had a doubt that he was going to make it across and it was that i guess the portrayal and the story that they created along along the road like do you see that when someone comes in to see you to get a sponsorship or get you on as an agent and they kind of you can just tell straight away the difference oh yeah absolutely yeah and and there are some people you just sort of sit there and you're like yeah right, <laughs> this person's gonna do this you yeah. know sort of thing yeah. like we spoke before we started about damien you know yeah. I, I know when damien says he's gonna do something he's gonna do it yeah, yeah. i'm the one that sits there going oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> you know and and Lee, Lee's the same, Lee Carlsodine, you know, when he puts his mind to something, he does it. And you, you just believe it mm. kind of thing. And I think there's an amazing amount of confidence in that. But if they were in a room of, you know, other people that didn't know him and that, some of it might come across as arrogance, you know, for sure. Yeah. But it's, that's just their confidence of what they're going to do. Has and it, that's what makes them 1%. Has mm. it come across into your own life? Like, how has it changed being around all these elite-level athletes and just... just successful driven people how has that changed for you because obviously prior to the athletes as well you're all you're already right up there so like yeah it's kind of like common ground i guess oh no (laughs) (laughs) no um oh look some days you get to work and you feel like an underperformer you know you're like oh god i'm not jumping off of a you know balloon today (laughs) um 
I'm just super grateful and privileged and this is what I always say to do what I do like I I learn and take away so much from the athletes that I work with that yeah absolutely I try to employ in my own life and that's that you know be better be better and you know be less fearful and you know get in the arena and things like that and you know oh the working with Shana I learned so much about myself through that whole experience which i will always be so grateful for um and i think when you're working with these people and they do have these you know they're just eye on the prize and their resilience of what they go through and what they cop yeah it changes you yeah definitely Mm. and it's a privilege is there any habits that you have seen that each of them possess or like a, a common occurrence between them I don't know if it's a common occurrence. What I think it is is that they just have this chip (laughs) that, you know, when they were developed, it just got inserted. Um, I think now I can almost look at um, probably particularly boys because I have boys um, around 14, 15, I can tell you if if they're going to make it or not Mm. and whether they've got it. And what I do say, you can have all the skill in the world and you, particularly as you're coming through and you can be great at your sport, but if you don't have the mindset and if you don't have the mental strength, you won't make it. That That's mm. probably what their mental strength. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Have you considered branching outside of athletes? Is that something or is it kind of your niche? Like you, you you've found <laughs> your own niche. <laughs> Well, the, the yeah, the athlete side sometimes feels a little bit selfish, you know, that I get to do that and um, work in that arena. It, but I do do executive coaching okay. in that as well. Yeah, cool. um, and I, I like to play in that corporate world a bit as well. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I need a reminder that is I that can't rock of, up to work in my gym wear. Yeah. Is that like your workshops and stuff that you run and that sort of thing? or? Um, we do do some facilitating. So, like, I am about to launch a women leading in sport program cool. with another organisation. So, to focus on the administration side and the leadership side. Yeah. And I think that's really important because, you know, what, what happens behind the scenes rolls down to the athlete. And so, you know, if if we can i'm just all about fostering great environments in sports so that we can have athletes p- perform at their absolute best so we get to watch amazing sport mm-hmm. it that's where my passion comes from and so you know if if there's an opportunity to help behind the scenes which i think women leading in sport will do yeah. um i want to do that so yeah that facilitation of leadership and that yeah i, I love all that stuff mm. yeah do you do you ever consider like what your pillars are yes yeah, and we've bounced around with these a few. Um, so, look, my, mine is definitely sort of, um, you know, that female and leadership and that. I've always been that, mostly in dominant male environments. Um, the second thing is my family, um, my boys, uh, my world. Uh, my third thing is slowed down a bit and COVID probably helped with that. Um, I do love to go out. Like, I don't... <laughs> I'd be the 80-year-old dancing in the nightclub, <laughs> which is so embarrassing. And not, and my son's he's going to die. Um, he's almost 18 and he doesn't want that to happen at all. Yeah. So, like, that is curved. Um, yeah. But then, look, I'm really about health and spirituality and things like that. And so that's probably my next thing. And that's definitely a world that sort of, um, as I get older, I explore a whole lot more. And yeah. so that sort of environment, like I said before here, I had to run down and say, yeah, yeah, have my little moment. And no, it, was, like it was nice. It was like, mm. yeah, you were you were glowing with excitement from being down there. It was really cool. And yeah. we, it was nice to share a moment, just like checking out the sunset and stuff as well. So um, we are obviously conscious of time. We're just over an hour now as well. So we do have those little two last questions for you. Yes. Um, first being, do you have a favorite flower that you've benefited in the long run? Um, I thought about this. There's been so many failures, and anyone <laughs> that says there's not, they're a liar. Um, it's like, like you know, you get your business ones and things like that. We've done stuff that's wrong. Um, when I failed in in my corporate world, I was always really quick to fess up and say I've done this wrong and fix it. Mm-hmm. And I think that gave me a lot of respect. I, I wasn't afraid to sit there and go, "Yeah, big mess up, my fault, fixed." Um, but I think sort of the one that I resonate the most with now is probably my own internal failures where I I haven't pushed myself hard enough I I turned away from opportunities that I probably should have chased and 
you know, hindsight's great, but I think sort of when you start to recognise, okay, why did I do that? And you really reflect on it and you go, okay, that that was just your self-confidence that you didn't jump into that. Mm. And then you can sort of be like, well, next time that opportunity comes up or I'm going to make that opportunity come up again and I'm there, you know, sort of thing. So that that's my thing now is to reflect on a failure and make sure that I um, either put myself back into that environment so I can do it again. Um, or I, ne- I n- never say no to it if it comes back again. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Second question is, if you had a billboard that everyone could see, what would it say? Yeah, I thought about this one. <laughs> like, so many things. Like, I think one of the things, and this sounds so corny, and I said it to my mate on the way down, I said, I think I'm going to say this, and he goes, you're a loser. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's my thing. You know, um, and it's just, do you, boo, you know, sort of thing. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, and... You know, we are so influenced by the people around us and, you know, our thoughts of ourselves and things like that, that, you know, I, I now sort of reflect on myself and go, am I doing this for me? Like mm-hmm. kind of thing. And is this being my authentic self? Am I bringing my best to this and things like that? And so, yeah, it, and, you know, I've always hated it when I say it, like, do you do that? <laughs> They're like, oh my God, you're a loser. And, <laughs> but I think if you look at what that actually means, you know, and if you can live like that, like I think you just bring the best to the world and you bring your best self. That's awesome. Yeah. Unreal. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming all the way down. We will uh, jump out and go have a feed. Good. But yeah. Hey, Thanks, thank guys. you. Thank you. <laughs>